What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Full Purple Sports Show. Hopefully, you guys are having a good day today. Whenever you guys are going to be watching this, I don't know when it's going to be out. But, um, yeah, so hope you guys are doing well. It's been a little bit since we talked. Well, a couple days. Um, yeah, so today's episode is going to consist of just NFL again. Uh, well, actually, not just NFL. We have one NBA thing to talk about today, but the rest is NFL. So, um, yeah, again, guys, I just want to say thank you guys for the support again. And, uh, yeah, so I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do for that giveaway. Probably, I don't know. I'm going to keep thinking about it. Um, I, I want to make sure that it's good. I don't want to just you know, taught, you know, just get something quick out so that we, and I don't, you know, I, I want to actually put thought into it, put some time into it, so, um, I'm going to let, keep letting you guys know when that's going to come out, I can't, I can't really say how soon, but, but yeah, so, I'll let you guys know, but let's get right into it, so. First thing here will be that the former Seahawks, as you guys know, a little backstory with this, is, so earlier this, I mean, for most teams offseason, I guess, is that what you really got to want to say? Anyway, offseason, I suppose, but for the Seahawks offseason up to this point, they had released offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer of his duties and now he has agreed to to a deal to become the Jaguars passing game coordinator so before I get into more of this article I I, I want to say <clears throat> for all the moves that the Jaguars are making I feel like it's going to I feel like something's going to happen, you know, come from this. Like, I feel like they are going to become more relevant this season for some reason. Like, I feel like they're going to be dangerous this year. You know, bringing in Urban Meyer and then as head coach coming in from, you know, college football. And then just all the other front office moves, roster changes. You know, I just... I definitely feel like, if you want to be honest, I feel like the Jaguars, you know, I feel like their front office, you know, obviously it, it, it kind of comes down to, and I've talked about this in the podcast before, but it, it kind of comes down to this, you know, stuff like this. When you've had previous success and then shit just hits the fan, that I feel like, it can be player, you know, it's, it's player execution to a degree. Now you may, you, you could even argue that some of it is on the players. Now, okay. It's not always just on the coaches. It's on the players too. It's not just a one, you know, you can't just look at one little aspect of the game, you know, looking at just looking at it, just being the coaches is like looking is like, not is like, not being able to see something with the naked eye. There's so much more to it than just what you're seeing. There's so much more than just the coaches. Okay. 
And I understand that. But what I'm trying to say is, when you've had previous success, it, it, it can be the players because they may not be executing. But then that execution comes down to player and coaching staff communication. Now, do I feel like, now that has obviously taken a huge dip since their champ, you know, championship run, since their, well, deep playoff run in 2017, you know, up until they lost against the Patriots in the championship game. You know, from that point on, they haven't found any success. They've had you know, losing records. They haven't done anything. They're not scary anymore. And yes, that comes and yes, to a degree, that comes down to player execution. But I feel like at this point, it can't all be player execution. You know, it's also coaching staff. They're not doing their job. And the coaching staff isn't doing good enough, isn't performing well enough to, you know, to coach the execution into them. They, the coaching staff just isn't doing that. And so that's where it starts to become a problem. But I, I kind of rambled on a little bit too long with that. But let me get into, you know, with this article. So Schottenheimer, former Seahawks offensive coordinator, has agreed to terms with the Jacksonville Jaguars to become their passing game coordinator. Now coach under Urban Meyer, who has brought two former Seahawks offensive coordinators is Darren Bevel, the Seattle OC prior to Schottenheimer, is the Jags. And now became the Jags OC. Seattle part announced their parting ways with on January 12th, I remember doing that. So, yeah, it was kind of ironic too, because Pete Carroll ends up saying, I actually remember looking at this too, reading this article, literally just a day, a couple days before Pete Carroll says that Schottenheimer would be back in Seattle. Now he's gone. I just thought that was pretty interesting. I, it's interesting how that kind of stuff works. Anyway, there's not too much more here, so yeah, that's just kind of, I guess that's kind of that, I guess. I I ended up saying more than what the article gave, so that's worked, that worked out pretty well. Anyway, moving on. So, I know this probably doesn't matter all that much. I mean, it's not really, would you really consider it news? No. But, I mean, I just thought because it's the Super Bowl, such a big deal, I thought maybe it would be cool to add. It's probably not going to get that much attention. I mean, no one really is probably going to care too much. I just thought I'd add it anyway. Anyway, the official ten attendance, though, because we've heard about, you know, all the healthcare workers getting tickets and whatnot, you know, all this different stuff. The official attendance is going to be expected you know, for Super Bowl 55 will be 25,000 fans, potentially, and then 30,000 cutouts. So just five, so just 5,000 more cutouts than fans. There'll be a couple percentage difference. So Raymond James 
for the Super Bowl for the official attendance for Super Bowl Fifty Five at Raymond James has been released. Sunday's bout between Tom Brady's Bucks and Patrick Mahomes Chiefs will include twenty five thousand fans with thirty thousand cutouts per the NFL. The season has highly has been highly disrupted by the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic here. Will house the smallest attendance in Super Bowl history. Still, it's a tribute to the league that 25,000 fans are able to gather to watch the Bucks and Chiefs in person at all. This will be the most fans, I believe, at a stadium this entire year, I'm pretty sure. If I'm not mistaken. Might be. I think so. And now this is where it gets crazy. Despite all the positive tests throughout the entire season, there wasn't a cancellation. NFL hasn't. Single game this entire season hasn't been canceled. Games have been rescheduled, but they haven't been officially like canceled. There's only a couple, there's only a game that I can think of. I can't remember who the teams were now for some reason. Um, I think it might have been a Packer. It was a Steeler game. I remember it being a Steeler game. I think it was a Steeler-Brown game. It might have been a Steelers-Browns game. Where it was supposed to be played on a Monday night. And then they went to two, and then, but then they rescheduled, because it was for, you know, for a positive COVID test. And then I remember it being switched to a Wednesday, and then they played it on a Wednesday night. So that might have been, and who's to really say how close it was to being canceled? I mean, I don't really know because it didn't get any further than that point. But if I had to say what was the closest game to being canceled, like not even being played, and then that would just give them both a tie record, you know, of you know, a one-game tie, you know, and, you know, for their record, it would give them a tie. If I had to say what was the closest to being canceled, probably that game. Probably that game, to my knowledge. There might have been a couple, I don't really know. Um, I didn't hear any other game, really, that, to my knowledge, that really got that close. But, yeah, I would definitely have to say that that was probably the closest game without, you know, to being canceled without it actually being canceled. But yeah, so that's really just a credit to the league. I mean, it, it, it kind of just blabbles on more about the same thing. About how the, what this, you know, with the NFL's initiative here with the, you know, healthcare workers too. Um, I want to talk about that at the end of the episode, by the way. So after I do the NBA thing too. But yeah, that's just really a credit, you know, to the league. You know, we had it early on. We we thought, you know, oh, this season's going to be a disaster. You know, from starting out without any, you know, preseason games and all of that stuff. You know, I remember before the season even started, you know, you get the preseason games or officially started. You get the preseason games and then there's like a month and a half break until the league officially starts. You know, the games officially start September. You get those preseason games early August leading up to September, uh, like, 6th or 7th when the first game start. But, um, 
Yeah, you know, I remember the preseason games get, you know, well, even before that even, actually. Excuse me. Voice crack there. I remember even before the preseason games were officially canceled for the year, before that point even came, I remember when they first started talking about, even when they first even started talking about what what's going to happen with preseason games. And I remember thinking, you know, this is a really good question. Like, are they just going to play the games? And then, and keep in mind, this is before we even knew there was going to be no fans in the stadiums at all. Now, but I remember thinking, going back to what I was saying, I remember thinking, like, are they just going to, you know, this was me just guessing. I was like, are they just going to play these preseason games just with no fans in them? Or, you know, anything, this is, I was just guessing there. But yeah, it's not really hard to assume. But I was like, are they not going to play without, are they just going to play this without any fans? Like, I wonder, and then, and then I remember them kind of evolving to saying, oh, you know, the league is going to have a league meeting on some certain day to talk about the preseason games, what they're going to do. And then I remember after that, they start talking about one game, you know, one preseason, one preseason game for each team. And I remember thinking, okay, well, I mean, at least they're getting a game, you know, and then... And then after that, you get nothing. You see nothing. We all thought it was going to be. I remember them talking about it going from four games, you know, playing all four potentially to then playing like three of them, you know, maybe playing like three of the games. And then it went down to one game. And I was like, okay, well, they've got to do this at least. It's one game. But keep in mind, the virus was also a lot worse then than it is now. Or it was in a worse state then than it was now. It's kind of slowed down since then. But at the time, now keep in mind, if we had the status of the virus now, then we probably would have played the preseason games. But now you got to keep in mind how the virus was at the time. It wasn't good. So I, I can understand where they didn't do it. Because they didn't want to risk, you know, having to close down the season that early. And they could have. But, um, yeah, and then I remember them seeing go down to one game. I'm like, okay, well, at least, you know, the players are going to at least get one game. Like, for kid, it ain't going to do much, but at least one game. And then they say, like, a week after that, no games. All preseason games will be canceled. And then at that point, I remember thinking... This season is going to be very interesting. Because a lot of people don't think preseason games are that important. Now, okay, for us to watch, not really for us as fans, but for the players, yeah, look at from player perspective. They get their conditioning out of these games. This is the first action, unless you're training physically, this is the first actual football competition action that you're seeing since the last season. You know, since the end of the last season. This is your first physical competition in the league since then. And for a lot of players, this is just, con- you know, for well, for everyone, it's conditioning. And, you know, and that's how it kind of prevents injuries, too, because you're getting your body... You know, if, well, for four games each team, you're getting, 
you're getting used to being, you know, you get your body, you're getting used to, you know, throughout those four games, you, you're used to getting, you become used to getting your body banged up from hits and stuff. And that's where all the injuries occurred so early in the season. You know, these guys didn't get physical hits, you know, physical hitting. Just all the physicality, you didn't get any of that. You know, in the you know for the preseason games, you didn't get any of that. And training at home or wherever to be safe isn't really doing it as well as a preseason game would because you're getting hit actual speed in preseason. You know, they're hitting you normal speed like they would in an actual game. And, you know, you're getting all that physicality. You're getting all that conditioning in. And you didn't get that this season. And that's where... That's where everyone kind of thought, including me, I kind of thought that the league, I wasn't like, oh, I wasn't like already sold on the season. Like, I wasn't like, oh, this season's already going to be shitty. Like, obviously, COVID-wise it was. But, I mean, I wasn't completely, like, against the league already at that point. I was kind of like, okay, this should be pretty interesting to see. Like, this will be fun to watch. You know, this will be very exciting to watch and see what happens here. You know, I'm pretty intrigued. And so at that, from that mindset, yeah, I was intrigued. I was very interested to see what was going to happen. It's like the next chapter in a book, oh, what's going to happen? That's kind of what it was for me. And I was very intrigued. I was very, very interested to see how the season was going to go because we didn't have that. And then, you know, we started seeing the COVID. It didn't take long to to see positive COVID results. Started seeing a shit ton of positive COVID results. A shit ton of injuries early on. The first like five, six, seven games. Shit ton of injuries. And that's when it kind of started to feel like, okay, this is going downhill very, very fast. And then, you know, after that, the league kind of starts to, you know, shake around their different, you know, their COVID rules, realizing it wasn't very good at all. Switch it around, make it pretty solid. And now, you know, and it, and that's how it kind of ended the year. They, you know, they really did, and I know I'm rambling on here, so I do apologize. I just want to end this off by saying it's really just a credit to the league. You know, they just make a, a, a few quick changes to the protocol, and that's, and it, and it and it, you know, gets us through an entire season without any official game cancellations or a season cancellation for that even. So it's really just a credit to the league. Uh, I'm happy with how it went. I think it could have gone smoother, yeah, but it's took for the for the with the circumstances given, you've got to be pretty happy with it. It's not it, it wasn't really that bad at all. They did a hell of a job. So good job to you guys. And um, yeah. By the way, I will be doing that, you know, talking about the healthcare workers and stuff at the end of the episode. So make sure to stick around for that part. Next part here. Okay. This isn't really news. This will be me rambling again, probably. Hopefully not. I'll try not to make it too long. And it's not really news. I just wanted to get it in here because it's, it's just very, very interesting. Very funny. So, says Tom Brady 
quote, would definitely consider, end quote, playing beyond 45 if he maintains his current pace. Now, I just think this is funny because I remember when he was 30, what, 38, 39, getting real close to those 40s. You know, you know, upper 30s, so like 36 to 40, around that range is when he started talking about, he started seeing a lot of questions in interviews like, oh, are you going to play up until your 40, you know, are you going to play up into your 40s? And then he's always kind of talked about how his, you know, how he's always kind of pre-told himself, you know, pre-determined to himself that, hey, I'm going to play until I'm like 45. He's always kind of said that from like, you know, and he still says it now, but from, the, from the, the age range of 36 to 40 is when he's really started seeing the question a lot every year. You know, every year constantly asked. Yeah, up until 45, up until 45. And now we get to this point. And, you know, and at those, you know, at that point from the range, from the ages to about 36 to, no, from about 35 to about 38, 39 from around that time range from the ages 35 to 38 39 from that time period everyone always thought he was crazy you know oh you want to play till your upper 40s you know you want to play till your mid 40 like 45 ish to be exact you know around the ages you know around tom brady's age period from 35 to like 39 like 38, from that time period, everyone thought he was crazy. You know, oh, you want to play till you're 45? Like, Brett Favre fell off when he was 43, too, or he played at the age 42 season. Or he played, he, he played, was it 43 or 42? I think it was 43, actually. You know, oh, he played terribly up until his 40, age 43 season. He played, you know, he played his final season at, at age 43, completely fell off. You know, 42, he was kind of getting there, and then at 43, just completely gone. And, you know, everyone thought he was crazy for it. And then Tom Brady's age 43, you know, season comes, and we're like, holy shit, like, he isn't Brett Favre right now. And I knew, you know, all those Tom Brady haters, I guess you would say, or, you know, anti-Brady believer, and whatever you want to call yourself. I personally wasn't on that. I've always been a Brady fan, even, you know, well, obviously, my favorite team, New England, so I grew up with Brady, so, you know, I believed that it was possible, especially because I knew his training, I know his training regimen, so I'm like, it's possible, you know, it's very possible. Was I not, was I not doubting it? No, I wasn't doubting it. I was just kind of more in a, in a line of, in the process of, like, we'll see. Because you gotta think injury too. That was in the back of my mind thinking that, but I was hoping obviously not. I was thinking hopefully that doesn't happen, but it was in the back of my mind. It's, it's probably in the back of his too. It's football. And so I didn't think it was crazy. But I remember a lot of people thought he was, you know, from his stage, like from his ages 35 to like 38, everyone thought he was crazy. And then you get to age 40. He hits his age 40 season. And then this is where people are like, okay, like he's in his 40s now, officially in his 40s. 
you know, is he going, this is where it starts to become serious. Like he hasn't dropped off yet. This is where it gets serious. Age 40 wins an MVP. Everyone's like, holy shit. Like this is, this is weird. You know, becomes the oldest player to win an MVP award. Becomes the oldest quarterback to win an MVP award at age 40. And we're like, holy shit. And I was really happy to see. I wasn't surprised. I was like, holy shit. Um, I guess I kind of was, I, I suppose. Not because of his... I wasn't surprised of his performance. I knew he was going to play well. For me, it was kind of like... I was surprised that they gave it to him. Because I didn't think they would give... An award. I didn't think, you know, because they have to, you know, the, the commission... The, 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 you know, the league has to vote for this stuff. So I remember thinking, I wasn't surprised that he got it. Like, I wasn't surprised that he played well to get it, to, you know, at least be in the running. I was more surprised of the voting people gave it, you know, uh, you know, voted him to win it because, you know, and got him to win it because... You know, they have to vote, and then whoever gets the most votes will get the award. I was just surprised that they voted Brady in. I thought they weren't going to think, you know, for me it was kind of like, you know, oh, they're going to, you know, because I thought, you know, that season there was a lot of great quarterbacks, you know, that played really well at the end of the season. Or, you know, throughout the entire season. There's a lot of quarterbacks that I thought deserved it. So I, I didn't think they thought... For me, I guess I just thought, you know... Maybe they don't think Brady's relevant enough because of age. I was just looking at it from a perspective of... Because I know how those can be kind of like... How those voting systems could be kind of odd. So I was like... I was like, maybe... I was like, the only reason why I don't see Brady getting this is because the, the voting commission might think Brady's not relevant enough because of his age. And that maybe they won't vote him in to win it. And then he did. And then I, for that reason, I was surprised. I was like, okay, they thought for Brady's age, he's relevant enough. I, I wasn't just, you know, it wasn't at all. Again, for me, it wasn't anything to do with performance. I just thought, you know, do they think he's relevant enough? To let you know to vote him in to win it, they did. I was just surprised about that, yeah. So, again, he's always kind of said, you know, and then playing well, you know, 40, 41, 42, at you know, getting around, you know, getting closer to age 43. And now, I think this season, you know, age 43 season, now, now everyone's in, you know, since. From 40 to 43, I think throughout that three-year period, everyone's gotten on the train and gotten aboard and gotten on and hopped on board of the believing in Brady to 45 thing. You know, from ages 40 to 43 in that three-year span, I think he's gotten a lot of people to believe him that he could play up until his 40s, you know, mid-40s, 45. A lot of people didn't believe, you know, a lot of those people didn't believe him at first. But from age 40 to 43, he's doing something that no one else has ever done in the league. Ever. And now he's got everyone believing it. 
as weird as it sounds because no one's done it before. Now he's thinking, and he's always kind of said age 45. Now he's definitely considering playing potentially past 45. You know, and it's going to depend on, you know, it's going to be a, a, you know, a yearly basis. It's going to be a one year at a time type of thing. But, you know, it, it'll be something, you know, he'll go from, you know, 43 to 44, see how he feels from 44 to 45, see how he feels. And then from age 45, we'll see where he's at and see what he wants to do. You know, and I think he's just got everyone believing it now. And it, it, it's so cool to see that he's gotten people to hop onto it. And I, I've believed it since the beginning that he could do it. Um, that I think it was going to be with New England, yes. But hey, it's not. And so I just think it's incredible. But hey, guys, um, I think what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a break, actually. And then when we come back, we'll finish up talking about this and then just the rest of the episode. So, yeah, uh, we'll be on a break and we'll get back. All right, guys, welcome back from the break. So we ended, um, well, we first took the break talking about, you know, the whole Brady thing. No, I want to quickly finish it out because I kept, you know, I realized that I kept talking and it ended up taking the rest of that time up. So I never actually got to finish. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to say like from his 40, from the period of his age of 40 to 43, everyone just really started believing it. And now he's 43 and got to a Super Bowl. Everyone's like, holy shit, like, you know, he can make 45 now, but, um, I already kind of talked about all that. I want to get into the article now about what they talked about. So it says, Brady in the Super Bowl at 43, an incredible reality to consider, and it doesn't seem as if there's really any stopping him, which, you know, up to this point really is kind of true, actually. Lurking in the shadows is potentially father time, constantly forced to find better nooks and crannies as Brady and his longtime trainer Alex Guerrero work to tilt the scales in the quarterback's favor. While his past contemporaries fade into retirement, Brady just keeps on going. Might go past his once absurd target of age 45. Yeah, once absurd. It used to be like, are you fucking crazy? Like, he could potentially play till he's 45? And now we're at a time where it's like, oh, he might do it. Or, yeah, he's on track to do it. And this is what Brady had to say on Monday in his, um, you know, the first night of, you know, Super Bowl week. But saying, quote, yeah, definitely, yeah, definitely, I would, con- yeah, definitely, I would definitely consider that. Again, it's a physical sport, just the perspective I have on, on that is you never know when that moment is. Just because it's a contact sport, and again, it has to be 100% commitment for myself to keep doing it. I've been fortunate over the years. Alex and I work really hard to make sure physically I can perform at my best, because you take different hits over the course of the year. You deal with different bumps and bruises, different injuries, and so forth. You know, it's just going to be me continuing to make that commitment to making it part of my year-round process to play football and continue my career, end quote. So, yeah, kind of go off of what he said. Like, he he explains it very well, obviously. And you guys know that. Um, Yeah, I couldn't have worded this any better. I mean, you know... 
it, it, yeah, like you said, it's a physical sport. You're going to get hit from different angles every year. You're going to take on different bumps and bruises. You're going to get different injuries that you may not have even had before. You know, you're going to take on, you, you know, there might be a season where you get more, you might get hit more than you do throwing the ball. You just don't know entering a season what, per, you know, what, ver, what, you know, what, Going into a season, you don't know what type of season it's going to be. You know, are you going to be very protected in the pocket? You're going to have a shitty line, and you're going to get hit a lot. You know, Brady, I remember the season that Brady got hit the most, I would say, was, you know, his last season in New England. He got hit so much that year. Um, He really did. Now... And, you know, not only the bumps and bruises that I was saying, but, you know, not only all that, but then it's also got to come from his commitment. Is he committed to keep doing this with, you know, for his body? Is he committed to keep doing this whole TV 12 process? Is he committed to doing this every year? Of course he is, but it's a question he's got to ask because he's been doing it for so long. Is it something that, you know, is it starting to wear off where it's not becoming as good and you know it's not really helping as much anymore is it is it still helping him but is he just not really committed to doing it and you know it really just comes down to all that stuff but um yeah so and if you look at his whole career the last thing i want to get into this article too that it kind of reminds me of is the one the probably the one biggest interruption or the one biggest significant injury Brady's ever really had in his career that's really kind of done the most damage to him. And he's taken on a lot of different injuries, don't get me wrong, but I mean, biggest significant injury, the most relevant injury that took up his most the most of his time. The one that took up the most of his time, the one that was the most the worst one, was back in 08. Week one, season and season ending knee injury on opening weekend. After that, the league had to, you know the rest is history. After that, but the league adjusts its rules to outlaw the type of dive that resulted in Brady's knee injury, and the signal caller has undoubtedly benefited from other changes to promote player safety and quarterback protection. So, and you can't say oh. All the rule changes and, you know, all the quarterback protection now is helping Brady. It might be. It might be helping him a little bit. It's definitely on his side. But I wouldn't say that's every, like, that's not what he's, like, everyone acts like he's relying on that to keep playing. I mean, sure, it's definitely helping. But, you know, and that's for every quarterback, not just Brady. But it's definitely helping him, too. Um... But it's not, it's not, it's not something he's relying on for sure. Like he's definitely, definitely relying on, well, himself to be committed to want to keep improving. And then to keep, and then he's also relying on, you know, the, his, his, his diet, you know, to, you know, he's relying on his diet to keep, you know, he's relying on himself to keep doing the diet and to keep improving on himself. And to keep wanting to do that diet and stuff, he's definitely relying on on that for sure to, you know, keep doing it. 
And uh, yeah, so that's just kind of what I wanted to talk about with this. That's kind of enough on this. Just wanted to, you know, get my opinion on it and stuff. Let me know also. I'm going to have all my, you know, all my social media links down below. Let me know what you guys think of this uh, as well, because I would love to know. But anyway, moving on now. Chiefs are, the Chiefs, this was yesterday too. Um, the Chiefs are placing, huh? Sorry about that, the background website. Um, the background website, media, or uh, audio started playing. The Chiefs have placed wide receiver Demarcus Robinson and center Daniel Kilgore on the reserve COVID-19 list. Oh, this is coming six days before the, well, now five days before the, you know, the Super Bowl. Kansas City placed wide receiver Demarcus Robinson and center Daniel Kilgore on the reserve COVID-19 list. Ian Rappaport had reported on Monday, neither player is a positive case. However, they both, however, they both continue to test negative. They should be available to play versus the Bucks this Sunday. Chiefs coach Andy Reid confirmed his two players in, in inclusion on the list and said they found out this past Sunday they had been deemed close contacts. Reid said, quote, they'll work through it, end quote. Neither player has done much in the postseason but made their respective marks on the team's second straight Super Bowl run nonetheless. Robinson, who started a number of games in place of an injured Sammy Watkins, finished the regular season as the Chiefs' third leading receiver with 45 catches for 466 yards and three touchdowns. He had five receptions against Brady in Week 12, or against Tampa Bay in Week 12, excuse me. Kilgore has made four starts and is considered a key reserve given the team's diminishing depth on the offensive line. So hopefully they'll have him available for that game. Going to want everyone that you can have. Uh, here's the next thing, too. This is the Monday's injury and roster news, like usual. Just daily stuff. Antonio Brown was listed as doubtful for the Super Bowl after missing all of practice last week. His prospects of playing seem to have improved over the bye weekend. Buccaneers coach Bruce Arians said the veteran wideout is getting, is, quote, getting close, end quote. Noting he's been able to work on the side a bit with his injured knee. Arians said on Monday, quote, we'll see how sore he is, end quote. Time will also tell whether Tampa Bay will also have one or both of its starting safeties available against the Chiefs on Sunday. Antoine Winfield with an ankle is also, quote, getting close, end quote, to returning, but that's still too early to tell with Jordan Whitehead with a shoulder and a knee. No uncertainty surrounding linebacker Levante David with the hamstring, despite his questionable designation on the injury report. Arians also said this, quote, you'd have to shoot him, you'd have to shoot him to keep him out of the game, out of this game, end quote. So not really saying anything specific, just kind of saying, just kind of, kind of leaning towards the direction of he might play. You know, giving him a potential shot at playing. That's going to take a lot to keep him out, and that this potentially isn't that bad. So we'll see. Other news going around. 
Chiefs coach Andy Reid told media Monday that defensive line defensive back Legereus Sneed has cleared concussion protocol and practiced Monday, as did Sammy Watkins with a calf injury, who did not practice on Friday. Next thing here is Vikings announced they have promoted Ryan Ficken to special teams coordinator and hired Josh Hinst, or Hinkst as head strength and conditioning coach. Third thing here is the Steelers are promoting a- 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 Adrian Clem to offensive line coach after previously working as the team's assistant offensive line coach the last two years. Atlanta Falcons Monday hired Chandler Henley as an assistant offensive line coach. And the last thing here is the Colts have announced Monday they have signed quarterback Jalen Morton and wide receiver J.J. Nelson to reserve future contracts. So there's everything the league was following on Monday, but today is Tuesday. I also didn't upload, well, yesterday wasn't upload day either. And finally, the, you know what? I say the last thing. I deeply apologize, guys. I completely forgot today is Tuesday. And today is what comes up must come down. If I can find an article, obviously I'm already recording, but if I can find an article, or you know what? Well, I'll read this last thing here, and then I'll maybe try to look for it. But if I can't find it, I'll just uh, link it down below for you guys. The last thing for now is this was coming on January 31st. So this was the day I uploaded. This must have came out afterwards because I didn't see it on there. But uh, the Wizards are now coronavirus-free. They had their little outbreak, and now it's gone. So now it's just back to getting, you know, injuries up to date and whatever they got to do and, you know, just try to win some more games. So there's that. Let me try to look for this if I can find it. Um, Again, if I can't find it, then I will just link it down below for you guys. And I'll let you guys know here if I can find it. Um, let's see here. Okay, this is up to the, okay. So here's actually, here it is. I'll just quickly go through it real fast for you guys. So at the 30 spots, the Detroit Pistons. At the 29 spots, the Minnesota Timberwolves. 28 spots, the Washington Wizards. Not uh, something quick I want to say about this is they haven't really, you know, bringing in Russell Westbrook, they were expecting a lot more out of this. Hasn't really proved to be anything special yet. You know, not having a very, not just Westbrook, but the Wizards in general, not having a very good year. Uh, just very, very poor up to this point. Westbrook's recent game winner that provided reason for optimism. Washington's point guard finished Sunday's victory with 41 points, 10 boards, and 8 assists. Perhaps most importantly, flashed a signature bust to the rim. Westbrook has been hampered by an injured quad throughout 2021. Yeah, that injury also, you know, hasn't really proved to be anything, you know, hasn't really been on the side for sure. Um, Westbrook definitely, you know, 
could win them a lot of games, you know, with Bradley Beal. But, you know, again, it's just not very, not anything like anyone was hoping for the Wizards. I just hope that they can continue to, you know, play and win these games and hopefully not not, not have another outbreak. But uh, at the 27 spots, the Thunder. The 26 spots, the Pelicans. 25 spots, the Magic. The 24 spots, the Kings. At the 23 spots, the Knicks. The 22 spots, the Bulls. 21 spots, the Cavs. The 20 spots, the Raptors. The number 19 is the Dallas Mavericks. The number 18 spots, the Miami Heat. The number 17 spots, the Charlotte Hornets. The number 16 spot is the San Antonio Spurs. The 15 spots, the Atlanta Hawks. At the 14 spots, the Houston Rockets. The 13 spot is the Portland Trailblazers. The 12 spot is the Indiana, Indiana Pacers. The tw uh, 11 spots, the Grizzlies. 10 spots, the Warriors. 9 spots, the Celtics. 8 is the Suns. And they've been playing just lights out basketball recently. I'm re I've am i been really impressed with this uh, Phoenix Suns team. Chris Paul may very well be game's closer. Definitely, even with the Thunder, just played, you know, lights out. Really played. Really soon, you know, Chris Paul at the end of those games always was really good at, you know, closing out games and being able to play. Playing at age 35 season, though, 16 of his 29 points in the fourth quarter. Paul drained mid-range jumpers and dash laps to DeAndre Ayton, looking largely like the same player he was a decade ago. Isn't quite ageless. Hasn't really been playing like it. Um... But yeah, so there's that. The seven spots, the Nets continue to struggle. They're, you know, I don't know. They're, they've been kind of up and down. It seems like you don't really know what side of them. I, I don't really personally feel like you don't really know what side of them you're going to get. That's just how it's been really coming off for me. At the number six spots, the Denver Nuggets, though. At the five spot is the Bucks. The four spots, the Jazz. At the... Three spots, the Sixers at the two spots, the Clippers at the number one spot again is the Lakers. The Clippers have been playing really, playing pretty good again. You know, they're getting up there again. You know, continuing to, you know, try to build from the pun from last season. And then at the number one, so I'm not even going to talk about the Lakers. They're the Lakers are the Lakers. But guys, that's actually going to do it for today's episode of the Full Cripplet Sports Show. Thank you guys so much for being here, listening to the episode, and uh, yeah, just uh, being here in general. So I do appreciate it. Uh, again, I'm going to have all my social media links down below, everything linked down below. Make sure to hit me up about the episode if you guys have anything you want to talk to me about. But again, that was the episode, and yeah, thank you guys so much for being here, and I'll see you guys next time.